Thankful for, thankful for everybody that's out here tonight. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just continue on with our, our uh, Bible study. We've been doing the seven consecrations of our apostolic identity. And we're talking about holiness. And uh, this is going to be holiness part four. And tonight we're going to talk about liberalism. Amen. So if you will tonight, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the first, yeah, the first book. <laughs> the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse number 16, 1 Peter 1 and 16. And uh, I'm going to say something here, um, address something, and it, it may not even be necessary uh, to address it, but I, uh, I've been teaching now on holiness for four weeks, and I, I know we've just been... Uh, we haven't got into practical holiness. We've just been talking about the spirit of holiness. And, and uh, I, I'm going to just throw this out there. And if it's not for you or if it's not for anybody, uh, it's, it's just kind of what I feel as I, I teach this. And I, every week when I say we're going to teach on holiness, probably the best way I know to describe it is uh, our dog Mia. Here lately she's had this problem. And uh, she's doing really good. And then here lately, she's started having this problem where she keeps having accidents. And every time she has an accident, I, I see it and I say, Mia. And that dog instantly like shirks up because she knows he's about to go get the, the clothes hanger and he's about to wear out my hind end and rub my nose in it. And every time I say that, I, I kind of feel in the spirit a little bit like a, oh, pastor, don't, don't hit me. I know you haven't done it yet, but don't smack me. Man, I, I, I just feel like letting you know, hey, if you're looking for mean Pentecost, you guys voted the wrong person. I'm not here to sucker punch nobody. I'm not here to take the Word of God and beat nobody. We're, we're going to just teach the Word of God. Is that all right? Man, we don't have to be scared. Pastor's not mean. I'm not here. Maybe nobody feels that way. I just kind of feel that like, oh, man, when's, when's, the, when's, the, when's the left coming? He's got the right in there, and it, he ain't been hard. When's the left coming? Don't worry. I, we're just going to teach what the Word of God says. Man, if the Word of God steps on our toes, the Word of God steps on our toes. But, hey, man, we're going, we're going to teach what the Word of God says. Hey, man, so if you will, just, let's, just, let's just, just enjoy the Word of God. Is that all right? Hey, Amen. 1 Peter 1 and 16, the Bible says, Because it is written, Be ye holy. Why are we being holy? For I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. Anybody feel that way? Anybody want to be holy? Holy like He's holy. Separated like He's separated. Living a life in accordance, amen, to the Word of God. Amen. If you will, you can, you can go ahead and sit down be seated. We're going to go ahead and just jump right into the Word, amen, of the Lord tonight. And... Uh, I'm probably going to um, do probably one more week on uh, the spirit of holiness and talking about that. And then we're probably going to start jumping into practical holiness. So uh, if you've been waiting on Pastor to quit hing-honging around here and poking around as he gets through the spirit of holiness, uh, we're, we're getting there. So don't let me bore you. And I know I've probably been a little redundant, but I, I wanted to teach it from the from the basement to the top. I didn't want to 
skip over anything. So last week we talked about legalism. And legalism is the idea that we are saved and we have merit with God by a strict adherence to rules. We know, and we talked about last week, that the Bible does not teach legalism. The legalist thinks I'm going to earn my way into heaven because of my good works. Can I tell us here today, I can't build a ladder big enough to get myself into heaven. I can't do enough good things to get myself into heaven. We talked about last week that we are justified by faith. It takes faith to get us into heaven. It's going to take uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we also talked about we cannot separate faith from obedience. If you're going uh, to be justified by faith, you have to be obedient to His precepts. Amen. I, I repented by faith. I I got down in the water by faith. I received the Holy Ghost by faith. It's by faith that I'm justified. And when the Word of God starts giving us holiness principles, my faith, I have to do it by faith that that's what the Word of God says in obedience to, amen, the Word of God. Amen we got to understand that I, by myself, can't get myself to heaven. Now, I can sure keep myself out of heaven, but I, I cannot get myself to heaven on my own. It's going to take a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to take allowing God to make me who He wants me to be, both on the inside and on the out. This, uh, there is people that look at us Pentecostals and say, you believe in a works-based religion. We do not believe in a works-based religion. We believe, amen, like I said, in justification by faith, but we believe that faith requires obedience to the Word of God. Man, I know I'm just rehashing what we talked about last week, but we talked about last week that legalism is an effort to control our fallen nature by rules to overcome our flesh. But we need to base our lifestyle off of the Word of God and understand that the only true change can come from a relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing His Spirit to mold us and to change us as we seek to be holy like He is holy. We talked about last week that, amen, holiness is not about me being better than my brother, but holiness is about me being like my Heavenly Father. Amen. Now, while I'm talking, last week I talked about legalism, and this week we're going to get into liberalism. And, and while there are people that err on the side of legalism, I, I don't believe that legalism is a large problem. And what we're going to talk about tonight, I don't believe that, that all of Pentecost is, is, is going liberal and all of Pentecost is going legalistic. I believe for the most part that Pentecost as a whole, amen, is following after the Word of God, endeavoring uh, to build fences and live in adherence to the Word of God. Amen. I, I was thinking that sometimes, you know, we didn't think, well, uh, it's a bigger problem than it is. And uh, we was talking the other day, I can't remember who said it, but somebody made the joke that don't go under the church, we, that's where we keep the snakes at. And, and there's times that when you say Pentecost, people think uh, snake handlers. Now let me tell you, if I ever show up at a church and they're snake handling, I hope they've got the money to start their remodel project because I'm getting ready to put them a new, a new door wherever I'm setting. So uh, we got to understand that while there is people that handle snakes, that does not encompass 
all of Pentecost. Amen. We don't handle snakes here. Amen. Somebody say, if you don't say amen on nothing, somebody better say amen on we don't handle snakes here. <laughs> amen. That ain't, that's not my thing. If you want to do snake handling, uh, you call a Tuesday night thing at your house and uh, I'll pray for you here at the church or something. Something like that. It's not my thing. But, but while at times Pentecost gets wrapped in that all oh, the Pentecostals, they're snake handlers, uh, I, I, just because there's a few wackos out in the woods somewhere that thinks it's a good idea to take up snakes, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's good to label and say, take the, take the exceptions to the rule and say, hey, there's these few people over here that are and uh, uh, in, in taking on legalism and, and label everybody as a legalist. And it's not wise to take the one or two over here that's uh, laying hold on liberalism and say, hey, that's all of Pentecost. Uh, hey, man, we got to understand that, that I believe we're part of a movement. We're part of a church that was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And while I don't believe that these two ends of the spectrum are large problems in Pentecost, while I don't believe that this is a large-scale problem, you say, Pastor, why are you taking the time on Wednesday nights teaching about something that you don't think is that big of a problem? Amen. The reason I've, I've taken time and taught on this because that if either one of these get in our church or a church in general, if a church becomes legalistic or if a church becomes liberal, it won't take long, but it will kill a apostolic church. Man, you say, Pastor, why are you taking the time? Because I want to make sure we have an understanding. And I, I don't want us to fall off the wagon on the right side, and I don't want us to fall off the wagon on the left side, but I want us to come back to an understanding and say, God, I don't want to be destroyed. The legalist will destroy himself uh, from, the out, from, the, yeah, from the outside, or from the inside out, but the, but the liberal will destroy himself from the outside in. Uh, amen. But their end is the same. I don't care how they got to the end. Uh, my goal is not to end in destruction, but my goal is to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is that why anybody's here in the house of God tonight? I don't know about you, but that's my ultimate goal is to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's why I'm living. I, I, I got a hold of these old CDs me and my brother used to listen to as a kid and just for nostalgia, I started listening to them again as a dramatized audio thing. And I was driving to work and uh, maybe it's just, maybe I was tired, maybe I was just wore out or emotional or something, I don't know what it was, but in this story, all of a sudden, Jesus comes back and he begins to grab his followers, and it's just a dramatized kid story thing, and uh, in the story, Jesus begins to talk to his to, to his followers and he's calling them up home and he's there in his second coming and, and all of a sudden as I was driving down the road and he starts addressing people and talking to them I, I, I was probably if somebody was sitting in the car with me or looked over they'd probably thought I was crazy but I was crying as I was driving down the road because my mind began to think and say hey one of these days I don't know about you but I, I, I still believe in a rapture I still believe in a heaven I still believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun I, hey man I'm still living for that day when I I hear him say, Jonathan Coffey, well done. Uh, hey man, anybody else looking forward to that day when he looks down and says, Sister Sterling, well done. Enter into thy reward. Hey man, I'm living for that kind of day. Amen. And I, I don't want to get wrapped up in either side of the fence and get off course, but I want to stay on the, on the straight way, the, the, the narrow way, which is the way of the Word of God. 
Amen. So last week we talked about legalism and we tried to break down what is legalism. But tonight we're going to talk about liberalism on the flip side. It's the same coin, it's just the other side of a coin. Man, one side's not better than the other and they're, they're both got the same issues. Or, well, they don't have the same issues, but they, they end with the same issue. There we go, we'll say it like that. Liberalism, though, is just as wrong as legalism, and legalism is just as wrong as liberalism. Liberalism is the best definition I can put on it and studying and looking at other men and trying to do some research is it means the interpretation of fundamental Bible doctrines using social ideology, rationalization, and non-supported hermeneutical methods. The, the idea is I'm going to interpret the Bible on what society says and what I can rationalize and what I can come up with out of the Word of God. The liberalist is free to form their own opinion of the Scripture even if their opinion comes to a different conclusion than that what the original author had to say. For example, when we read the Pauline epistles and Paul begins to talk about and says, uh, I want you to know to do this or not to do that. And, and, and somebody that reads that and says, well, Paul was writing to a different time period. And Paul was saying something different to those people than he's trying to say today. And what do you think the Word of God says? And what uh, does the Word of God say to you? Can I tell you here today, I don't really care what I think the Word of God says. And I don't really, I, I love each and every one of you, but I'm not really concerned about what is Brother Sterling or Sister Merriman's opinion of what does the Word of God say. I want to know what does God have to say. I want to know what does His Word have to say. Uh, amen. There are those that say, don't tell me anything in the Bible that puts a restriction on my flesh. Amen. But I, I, I don't really care about uh, is there a restriction or is there not a restriction? I've come to understand that if God had enough, amen, foresight and enough knowledge to put it in the Word of God, He put it in there for a reason. He doesn't need me trying to dumb it down and He doesn't need me trying to, to prop it up. The Word of God will stand on its own. And when we come back to an understanding and say, God, let me fall in love with Your Word. Let me fall in love with Your precepts. Let me fall in love with what You have to say. His Word will lead us and His Word will guide us and His Word will get us through every season of life. There are those, and while I don't think it's everybody, but there are those that are trying to rethink our holiness standards. Man, I have seen churches that start rethinking their holiness standards. And, and while I've seen those, I've never seen anybody as they start trying to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to rethink some things. I've never, maybe, maybe somebody can give me an example, but I, I've never seen anybody ever wind up closer to God when we start trying to redraw the lines and reimagine what was God really trying to say. Amen. Uh, uh, does it really matter, Pastor, how I dress? Does it really matter how I live and how... I act. Uh, amen. There are those that say we are tired of looking different uh, from the world and it is holding us back. Let us lay down. Let us lay aside some things. It's a hindrance. It's a boat anchor. It's holding us back. 
and, and let us lay it down. But can I tell you, the church of the living God was always made to be separate. We was always made to be different. First Peter 2 and 9 says this, but ye are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Paul Peter said, hey, I want you to understand something. You are chosen. You are called. You are royal. You are a holy nation. But also in all that, you are going to be a peculiar people. There's going to be something different about the people of God. Hey Amen. I don't know about you, but I want somebody to be able to look at me and tell there is something different about them. There is something peculiar about them. And while I want them to recognize on the outside that, hey, that, that guy dresses different and he acts different. I want on the outside them to know something's different, but I want to have a spirit and an attitude and a walk and a lifestyle. Then they walk around me. They say there is something different about the way you live and you have joy and you have peace and when you begin to mesh the holiness on the outside with the holiness on the inside it creates somebody that is like Christ and when you are like Christ there is something about it that it gets the attention of a lost and a dying world 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says this wherefore amen come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Man, there's too many people trying to fit in to normal church culture, trying to fit in to the norms of society. Can I tell you, God's church was never meant to fit in. It was made to stand out. God's church was made to be a city that was set on a hill. A light to the world. He said you can't take a light and try to put this light under a bushel. Can I tell you church it ain't time for us to try to fit in and be like everybody else but it's time to understand uh, that we are standing on the precipice of the coming of the Lord uh, and if there's ever been a time for the church to shine brighter uh, it's today. As this world gets darker and darker uh, it's time for the church to shine brighter and brighter Amen. I'm not, I may preach here for just a second. It's time for the church to take our light out of a closet, put it on the door hanger, and let everybody know we are the church of the living God. We don't need apostolic Pentecost to try to find themselves some back room somewhere to hide out. Amen. And try to do our four and no more till Jesus comes. But it's time to step to the forefront and say, We got an answer. We got the solution. You may be bound, but we got got a God that'll set you free. You may be addicted, but we got a God that'll deliver. You may be broken, but we got a God that'll put you back together. We got to let our light shine, church. And you don't let your light shine by, by compromising. You don't let your light shine by trying to put your light out and get a new lantern to try to fit into everybody else. But we got to understand that we got to come back and be peculiar. I'm not saying we got to be weird or be the guys over there in the corner uh, with our pants pulled up and the nerd glasses on trying to, to fit in like that or try to stand out like that. But there's something about us that should stand out uh, and it should be the holiness uh, of an almighty God that puts, uh, hey man, His glory on our lives so should we observe biblical holiness principles that address how we act and live if our answer is no what scripture do we have that lets us know that we don't have to uh, uh, follow the word of God amen 
But if it is yes, then we must answer the question, from whence should we get our example? From whence should we have our guiding principle? Can I tell you here today, our answer to be living holy, our, our, our leading should come from the Word of God. Amen. I'm not really, I, I'm trying to do better as a reader, not, and reading's not my strong suit, but I'm trying to get better. My pastor always said readers or leaders must be readers. And I, I, I try to, to read books and try to uh, broaden myself. And I'm, I'm not the best at it. But I can tell you there's something about it. If, if, if we don't read any other books and we don't get any other knowledge put in us, can I tell you if this is the only book we read, amen, we better make up in our mind and say, God, I want to hide this word down deep in my heart. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Uh, can I tell you here today, Pentecost, if we can get this word in our heart, uh, it'll help us get through some of the, the, the stuff of life. It'll help us get through some of the pitfalls of life. Uh, we got to come back and understand this is our roadmap. Uh, this is what's going to get us, amen, to a place of the beauty and the truth of holiness here today. Amen. We're going to do good tonight. I don't got that many notes. And, amen. We'll try to be good. We'll tack it on for next week and all. I can do, I've been doing an hour and so I'll do an hour and a half next week. Is that good with everybody? <laughs> I'm kidding. So, as we get into this, uh, I've been around the block a little bit, and I've, I, I, I've, I've heard the case for liberalism. So, let's just go into the case for liberalism. One, first point is God doesn't care about externals, so why should we? That's the first statement that somebody that wants to espouse this doctrinal used. But my question is, does God, or the question is, does God really care how we dress and how we act? You know, God just looks at the heart and man looks at the outside. But can I tell you here today, uh, 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 the idea is, you know, God looks at the heart, man looks uh, at the outside. So as long as I keep the inside clean and pure, God doesn't care about the outside. You know, uh, uh, God made grapes and God made marijuana, so that's external. Why, why should I worry about the external there? You know, God made it and He made everywhere we could go. Why, why can't I just go everywhere? Why can't I drink whatever I want? Why can't I do whatever I want? Why can't I dress what I want, but my question to this would be where in the scripture is there somewhere that God says, I don't care about the externals and I only care about the internal. Amen. The closest anybody can try to come in the scripture that they want to use is when David was coming before uh, 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 Samuel. And Samuel is looking to anoint a king and God says, not him, not him, not him. And finally he tells me, he says, hey listen, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Man, he is letting us know, hey, hey, man is able to see the outside, what you look good, but on the inside I'm able to see that. But nowhere does God say, I don't look at the outside. But on the contrary, hey man, all through the New Testament, I can take you time and time again, and we've talked about it, and I don't want to rehash it, but I can go back to verse after verse where God says, hey, I want you to be clean in your body and in your spirit. I want you to be clean on the inside and on the outside. Let me tell you here today, there's no scripture that God says, I don't 
care about the outside. But can I tell you, God is very concerned about how we act and how we conduct on the outside. And God is very concerned and, 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 and worried about how we live and act on the inside. Uh, hey man, I can't, I, I've tried to preach about it the last two weeks. You can't, hey man, have clean on the inside and dirty on the outside and please God. And you can't be dirty on the outside and clean on the inside and please God. But if you're going to have true holiness, it comes back to an understanding and says, God, get me clean on the inside. Wash out all kinds of sin. Wash out lying. Wash out murder and hate and adultery and greed and lying and, and all those things. Get them out of me on the, in the inside. But God, hey man, also once I get that inside clean, let me come back to an understanding and say, God, I want to live in alignment to your word. I want to dress in alignment to your word. I want to conduct myself in alignment to the word of God. Anybody feel that way today? Say, God, let me have holiness on the inside, but let me have holiness on the outside as well. Amen. The second argument is many people have been hurt by and abused by people that have preached holiness. And I agree. I have heard people take the word of God and be mean. I have heard holiness preached ugly. I've heard holiness preached where there was no fruit of the Spirit. And the natural inclination is that, is when you're hurt, is to say, you know what, let me get as far away as what hurt me. Let me veer as far away as what hurt me as I can. But can I tell you, I've heard one God preached mean. I've heard Acts 2.38 preached mean. I've heard tithing preached mean. I've heard being on time to church preached mean. I, I, I've heard all kinds of truths where men have taken it, taken the Word of God and used it as a club to beat somebody over the head. But while, amen, somebody may be guilty of presenting a poor presentation of the Word of God, that doesn't neglect, neglect, whatever the word is, neglect, that's the wrong word. It doesn't negate, there we go, negate the Word of God. God's Word is still true. Just because somebody, if I stand in this pulpit and I use the Word of God wrong and club you, or, or if I preach something that's not in the book, it doesn't change what this Word of God says. Uh, it doesn't give us a right because Pastor Coffee preached a message mean and Pastor Coffee uh, got, got out, of the, out of the Spirit and got in his flesh and got mad and beat somebody up with the Word of God. That doesn't mean that God's Word was wrong. That simply means Pastor coffee needs to go back to an altar and say God I need to get my flesh under control that doesn't say hey I'm going to take the word of God and remove it because somebody used it to no that just means I need to come back and say hey hey man your word is still true your word is still right the word of God didn't hurt us the word of God's never been uh, never been mean to anybody but the word of God is a sword it's sharp it's quick it's powerful more than any two-edged sword able to pierce us under the uh, the joint the mind the Amen. The Word of God is able to cut us, but the Word of God is able to cut out those things that don't need to be there. Uh, amen. We may, you, somebody in life may have been hurt by holiness preaching, and they may have heard, hurt by, by, by one God preaching, and they may have been hurt by Acts 2.38 preaching. Amen. I'm sure somewhere over the course of Pentecost's history, somebody has done that, but we don't start removing truths out of the
the word of God just because somebody mishandled it. We got to understand and say, God, your word is true. Your word is right. Let me understand that what your word says, I want to obey the word of God. Amen. My goal for this church here in Titusville is that we have a strong biblical standard, but that it is preached in such a way that it is wrapped up in the love of God. And so when somebody hears holiness preaching coming across this pulpit, it's something that they say, hey, I feel something coming out of that message. I feel something, uh, amen, that is touching my heart. Uh, and they get a hold of a revelation that says, you know what? Uh, there's something beautiful about that. Uh, that is the beauty of holiness. Uh, amen. Can I tell you here today, we still got a mandate to preach uh, the Word of God. Uh, but as we preach the Word of God, it better be wrapped with the love, uh, amen, of Jesus Christ, Jesus said I came to seek and to save uh, that which is lost uh, he said I'm slow to anger uh, amen he said my mercy is new every morning uh, let me tell you there is a side of God that is judgment there is a side of God when God will finally roll up his sleeves and say enough is enough uh, but God has a preference uh, and he'd rather save and he'd rather restore uh, and he'd rather forgive we better understand church uh, amen that this word of God uh, amen is our best friend uh, it's what will save us it's what will keep us. We need amen, old fashioned apostolic holiness here today. Amen. The third thing is holiness teaching is countercultural, and it inhibits our ability to reach the lost. Now I will agree that it is true that sinners don't like the idea of living holy. You go find somebody sitting on a bar stool tonight and you go tell them, hey, you got to stop that. And you got to quit cheating on your wife. And you got to quit uh, uh, running around. And you got to quit smoking. The flesh of anybody is never going to say, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Hey, Amen. Let me come in and cut out all the things that, I, that sound like fun. That's why the Bible says the pleasures of sin are for a season. Let me tell you. If somebody tries to tell you, say, I've never went out in the world, but I, I can promise you that, that Scripture's in the Bible for a reason. The pleasures of sin are for a season. Uh, there, there's a season that apparently it must be fun. There must be a season where, where it's a good time. But in the end, you're going to reap what you sow. Hey man, it may be fun for those the night before as they're out partying, but I can promise you, I've watched them walk into, and into work with a hangover and they don't look very fun. It don't look very enjoyable. But to the carnal flesh, holiness will never uh, be something that a carnal flesh will want to hear. You can never make the gospel palatable to a sinful nature. Amen. But can I tell you here today, when somebody walks in with a sinful nature and they are touched by the glory and the power of God, what I am unable to change in them by me just talking to them. The glory of God. I've heard Brother Sterling say, talked about his testimony a few times. Maybe one of these days I'll, he'll get to, I'll get to hear it all. But he talked about walking into a church and what he was bound by and what he, what he used to be. But when he got a hold of the glory of God and when he got a hold of something that changed his life, uh, what he used to love, now he hated. Uh, and what he hated, now he loved. Uh, there was something about it that changed his life. Uh, can I tell you here today... Uh, 
This gospel message is the only thing that will change this world. Hey man, you say, you say, Pastor, hey man, is this holding us back? There's those that think we're weird, or those those there's those that think we're crazy for living the way they are. Can I tell you, if you're going to carry the cross of Christ, people are always going to think you're crazy. You better just get used to it. You better deal with it because the Bible says in Luke 21 and 17, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sakes. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, he would say this, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolish, foolishness, but unto us which is saved, it is the power of God. When people look at us on the outside, they say, hey, you don't go there and you don't do that and you don't wear that and you don't drink that. Hey man, that is foolishness. But we understand if they can ever get one taste of the glory of God, it is the power of God unto salvation. It's what will change you. It's what will make us different. Amen. I don't believe it's time to lay aside, amen, the one thing that brings us the glory, but it's time to say, God, I want to embrace it. I want to fall in love with it. I want the glory of God to be in this house every service so that when the sinner walks in, he says, this ain't like every other assembly in town. This place has something different. They may dress different. They may act different. But these people, they know God. That's my prayer when somebody walks in that they say, hey, these people know God. These people have a relationship and it's birthed out of true holiness here today. Hey man, someone that is not saved will never see the beauty of holiness. Amen. But what they don't understand is the beauty of holiness is the one thing that's going to draw them and change their life. Can I tell you here today, holiness does not hinder a church from growing. The liberal says, get rid of the rules and we will fill up a church. But they fail to understand what fills up a church. Amen. Is the glory and the power of God. I didn't have this in my notes, but I was thinking today as I was driving in. I, I traveled for a while in the field, and as I was going on the field, there was uh, uh, three men, well-renowned men in Pentecost. Probably if I said one of the men's names, uh, probably the majority of people had probably heard that name, whether, whether he sang, you heard his CDs, or heard him preach. He was a well-renowned name, and uh, the one name that I knew very well was because I preached for a man and it was his best friend. And uh, he, he decided, he said, you know what, I, I feel like this holiness message is holding me back. It, it, it's, 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 it's a boat anchor to me. And if I, if I just let, let go of, of some, some of the precepts of the Word of God, if I just laid them down, I could reach more people for Christ. And I, I've watched those that have said, hey, Let's, let's, let's lay aside some things and we'll gather more people in. We'll reach more people for Christ. And I've watched as those men, their story has transpired as I've traveled. and I've just watched them from afar. And of those three men, one, only one of them is even still in ministry. The other two, their church is closed down. Their church is shut down. And, and the one man, they sold their building, started over with just a few people in a gymnasium. 
And what I, as I watched them, it was, it was sad to see as, as, as the congregation dwindled and things began to split and, and things began to fall apart because they failed to understand the one thing that was going to bring them revival, the one thing that, that this world is looking for. There's a church on every corner. There's somebody that can get up and preach probably better than I can and put it together oratory-wise. But the one thing that will change this world uh, is the glory of God, the one thing That'll set a drug addict free is not how pretty I can put together a sermon and not how good of a light program we can get and how how gut of cutting edge of a new song we can sing. But what will change this world is when the glory of God begins to sweep down in a house and conviction can begin to grab a hold of somebody's heart that's looking for an answer and they've tried everywhere and they stumble into the back doors of Power of God Pentecostal Church and they say, I've tried everything and everything has failed. Uh, amen can I tell you I want them to be able to walk in uh, and not be impressed by our lights and not be impressed by my oratory and not be impressed by our music now I believe our building should look great uh, Brother Sterling does a great job outside keeping it looking great uh, and our music department man we got some of the best musicians in Pentecost uh, I believe our music should be top notch uh, but can I tell you uh, our music, our land uh, our my preaching is not going to change this city, uh, what's going to change this city uh, is the glory uh, and the power of God. Uh, can I tell you today, uh, there is nothing worth trading in the glory uh, and if it takes old fashioned holiness uh, to get the glory then I want to say God uh, give me a love for you God uh, give me a love for your relationship uh, give me a love for your holiness, uh, give me a love for the word of God here today Amen. I, I, a while back, I heard a statistic, and I, I'm taking a little bit longer here. I, I didn't really plan to stay here. But you look at mega churches. You see the churches, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people on every Sunday in multiple campuses. I, I, I was listening to a man talking. They was having a, uh, it was a lot of denominal preachers talking back and forth about the challenges of, uh, of, of their of their megachurches, the challenge of that. And they talked about everybody looks out on the camera and sees 3,000 on Sunday. You see, they see T.D. Jake's church and there's 6,000 people setting out in his congregation. They said what you don't realize is their turnover rate from one Sunday to the next is like 60 to 70%. It's one come, they come for the show and they go to say, hey, I went to... I went to Six Flags. I went to, I went to Disneyland. I went to T.D. Jake's church. It's, it's that turnover. It's not, the, it's not the constant growing of a relationship. It's not people trying to come in and be changed. Can I tell you here today, we don't got enough money to put on a big enough program. And I'm not a good enough preacher to get the TVs in here and say, hey, look at the power of the preaching of Pastor Coffee. Can I tell you, if we're going to have revival and we're going to have church growth, we're going to have to do it like the Word of God says uh, and come back and say, God, uh, let us lay aside everything of this world. Let us lay aside sin. Uh, let us lay aside weights. Let us lay aside hindrances. Uh, and God, let us fall in love with worship. Uh, let us fall in love with prayer. Uh, let us fall in love with fasting. Uh, let us fall in love with the Word of God. Let us fall in love uh, with holiness. Uh, and let this be a place where the glory of God resides uh, and people's lives can be changed. Uh, we need the holiness uh, of God in our life. Amen. 
Man, they want the power of God that will change their life. That's what the world's looking for. They don't always realize it, but what they need is a relationship with God. Loose living doesn't fill up a church, but it is the glory that fills up a church. The next, uh, and I've only got five of these and we're on four, so we'll get out of here a little early tonight. The next thing that somebody that wants to espouse or, or in, in, embrace the, uh, the, the liberal doctrine is those that say, well, people who teach holiness standards have inconsistencies in their life. Man, another point, I will agree, True. I, I'm probably not supposed to do this as a young pastor, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock everybody right here. I am a man. I know that's revelatory. Now, I am a man of God. I am called to be a pastor, but I, 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 put, my, I put my shoes on the same way as everybody else. and I, I, I put my tie on, my suit coat on the same way as everybody else. I am still a human. God didn't do me with some great power when He called me to preach that said, I, I, I walk on the clouds. I, I'm a human. My wife, as beautiful as she is and looks like an angel, she's a human. And my kids, I know, I thought those little nubs on their back was angels' wings getting ready to sprout, but I found out they were shoulder blades. My, my kids are human. Alright, you got that? And so, while I say that, the other side, this is probably bad to say too, but pastor is not perfect. If you get a microscope out on my life and you search deep enough, don't go trying to do it, but you go get a microscope, you'll find an inconsistency in my life somewhere. You'll find something. You'll be able to say, Pastor, you need to tighten that up. And another newsflash for everybody, if I got the microscope and I went around to Brother Ben and Brother and Sister Sterling, even though they've been in the church for all these years, and Sister Nicole and Sister Merriman and Brother Andrew and Sister Kirstian and Sister Chantal, if I went around with the microscope, I could find inconsistencies somewhere in everybody's life. It's just, it's what we are. We're humans. There's inconsistencies. But just because there are inconsistencies in a church doesn't mean that we throw away the Word of God and say, hey, you're inconsistent. You're a hypocrite. We throw away the Word of God. If you come in and say, Pastor, that doesn't really make sense that you say you can't wear that, but you wear that. And we can't do this, but we do that. And that's inconsistent. That doesn't mean that we throw away the teaching of a biblical standard that says uh, uh, women don't cut your hair. Women, uh, a woman shouldn't wear that which pertains to a man. Or a man shouldn't put on a woman's garment. And, and we're going to get into all that in the coming weeks. But just because we can find an inconsistent consistency somewhere doesn't mean we throw it out that just means pastor coffee needs to come back to an altar and say god there's some things in me that apparently i haven't gotten all figured out uh, there's some parts of jonathan coffee that haven't died out on an altar yet uh, and i got to come back to an altar and say god work the inconsistencies out of my life uh, it doesn't say just because pastor was a, a hypocrite on something that we throw out the whole baby with the bathwater, but we say hey let's get the baby out let's put it over here in some clean bath water and let's try to draw closer to God. Uh, amen. Now let's not become a church that goes around and starts trying to find things uh, and pick on people and say hey you don't got this and you don't do that but we got to understand just because somebody may not have something all together somebody might do something that doesn't line up that doesn't mean we, we throw it out the back door but it just means hey I need to pray for so and so. I, I need to pray for pastor. Hey he, he, he he's, he's dressed as good but he he, he, he's got a bad attitude on the disc golf course. Well, guess what? Pastor needs to go pray his bad attitude through. 
Man, don't say amen, TJ. <laughs> I only have a bad attitude when I lose. <laughs> amen. Amen. Inconsistencies is not a problem with the Bible, but inconsistency just need, means I need to do a better part on my part to grow and correct and get in full alignment with the Word of God. Amen. That's what living for God is. Amen. When I came, I was blessed. I grew up in the church, but for those that didn't, I can promise you, when you came in on day one, if you're still standing where you were on day one, something's wrong. Amen. But I can promise you, as I went around the room and asked people, as they've lived for God, I, I could ask Sister Strong. I think she's probably been in the church longer than anybody here. Her, her brother Strong, one of the two. Uh, I guarantee you, I could, I, if I asked them and came over and interviewed them right now, they'd tell you, hey man, there was a process through time. And as I went through life, I drew closer to God and, and I, I, I cut some things out. And there was some preaching that came forth that said, ooh, that kind of stung. But yeah, the pastor's right, I need to cut that out. I got to get rid of that. Uh, and we got to understand, that's what living for God is. It's the journey saying, God, you take me to perfection. I'm just going to stay on the potter's wheel. I'm going to stay there in his hands and let him say, and just mold me and say, hey, cut that out and get Get that out of your life. And that, that, that's too much. And can I tell you, the closer we draw to God, the more God's able to, to work on us. And that, that's why we're trying to do things like Monday night prayer. And we're trying to do youth service on Friday nights. We're trying to get that opportunity that we can draw that much closer to God and say, God, keep working on me. Keep getting that out of me. God, I, I know I prayed about my bad attitude last week, but it's back this week and i got to pray it through again. God, Lord, I'm struggling with this biblical standard of modesty. But Lord, I'm going to stay on the altar. I'm going to stay on the wheel and say God keep working on me get it out of me make me what you want to be is anybody that your prayer that says God keep working on me amen I, I haven't achieved perfection yet I haven't heard him say well done thou good and faithful servant I want to stay on the wheel and say God keep working on me keep making me who you want me to be is that anybody's prayer tonight amen number five here the, the, the liberalists will say well the Bible does have some things to say about men not having long hair. And yes, you're right, the Bible does some say some things about, you know, a lady shouldn't cut her hair. The Bible does have some things to say about the not the wearing of gold or pearls or costly array and not adorning ourselves. The Bible does have some things to say about that. But while the Bible does address that stuff, Paul was writing to a different culture. Paul was writing to a different time. And we need to take what Paul was saying back then and kind of adapt it and make it mesh with the 21st century. Can I tell you here today, there's nowhere in the Word of God that God said, you take my Word and you make it malleable and you make it fit. Amen. Can I tell you here today, if God... Amen. Thought it was important enough to put it in the Word of God and say, hey, women, don't cut your hair. It's still a truth in 2020. If God said, hey, man, you need to have short hair, then I believe it's still important in 2020. If God said, hey, don't do this and don't do that, don't, don't commit adultery. If adultery was a sin in, in, in the Bible days as they walked around the wilderness, then it's still a sin in 2020. And if God said all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire, then guess what? Uh, 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 
it's still, uh, it's still an issue in 2020. We don't get to go through and pick and choose and say, hey, that's relevant, that's not relevant. Hey, man, but we need to understand if God said it, then I want to obey it. And if God said it, I'm going to seek to understand it. I'm going to seek to study it. But in the end, I want it to be something that is written down on the inside of my heart. I don't want to be somebody that says, God, I want to buck up against your laws of your word. But I want to be somebody that says, God, let me fall in love with your laws. Let me fall in love with your precepts. Let me fall in love with the word of God. Amen. Amen. There's those that say we don't need standards. Just let everyone do what they want. My question is, amen, if we're just going to be led by the Holy Ghost. Everybody's got the Holy Ghost pastor. Let everybody uh, uh, just just be led by God. I, I've watched those that have tried that, and I've never seen anybody wind up closer to God. But that's why he told them in Romans 10 and 14, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent. Uh, hey man, he said it's by the foolishness of preaching uh, men are going to be saved. Uh, hey man, can I tell you, it's probably one of the goofiest things God ever picked somebody to stand up uh, and to preach and that's how we're going to be saved. But God said, listen, if you're going to be saved, uh, there's going to have to be somebody that says, hey, this is the word of God. Uh, this is what truth is. Uh, hey man, now I'd encourage you, uh, you get your word down, you study your word of God, make sure what I preach is in the word of God. Uh, Amen. Who was it? Was it the... The Bereans that, that Paul said they're more noble than, than you because they get in the Word of God and figure out is that really in the Word of God? Uh, hey man, don't take pastor's word that the Word of God says to do something. Get in there and highlight it and study it out and say hey, I've got it for myself, pastor. Pastor may preach it, but I've got it written down on the inside of who I am. Amen. They say uh, 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 those that say we don't need a standard I can promise you that they have a standard. Somebody here today says, we don't need a standard. Walk over to them and, and, and reach in their purse or reach in their billfold and grab $100 out of their wallet or their purse. And I promise you, they have a standard. And if you look at them and say, hey, this is external and this is stuff and God doesn't really care about externals and God doesn't really care about stuff, so... This is all right. I can promise you they'll have an issue with it. And if they say, well, I, I, that, that's kind of a far out example. I, maybe about modesty. Uh, it doesn't really matter about modest apparel. Well, let me tell you this. If I, if I say, well, I'm going to go, I don't, I, I'm going to go down to a gentleman's club somewhere. I promise you my wife if she had an issue with saying, well, I don't believe in modesty, I can promise you she would have an issue with that because my wife, even if she said we don't believe the standard, she would have a standard that said, I don't think you need to go there. Can I tell you, everybody has a standard in life. Everybody has something that they'd say, that is too far. If my wife showed up uh, oh, uh, in, in a, 
in a bathing suit here next Sunday, everybody would say, hey, that is inappropriate, Sister Coffee. That is not something you would wear to the house of God. I know I'm trying to pick far out examples here, but everybody has a standard. And I'm not interested in trying to set my own standard. I'm not interested in trying to say, hey, what's right and what's wrong? What, what does so-and-so think is right and what does so-and-so think is wrong? I want to know what does God say is a standard. I want to know what does God's Word say is appropriate. Why don't we just come back and say, God, your word should set the standard for my life. Your word should make a standard for my being. Amen. Romans 8, verses 2, the Bible says, For the law of the Spirit, that word law speaks of rule, speaks of, uh, uh, of legalities. For the law of the Spirit and life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. See, if we lay aside the law of the Spirit, we're going to be bound by the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit, he is none of his. I'm not interested in trying to get in the law of flesh. I'm not trying to let carnality rule my mind and say make decisions about modesty and make decisions about my behavior and make decisions about how I'm going to conduct myself. Allow my carnal mind to make those decisions. But I want to get in the Spirit and say, God, I want your law of the Spirit to, to, to give me my guidelines about modesty. I want your law of the Spirit to give me my guidelines about how I conduct myself in business. I want your law of the Spirit to tell me how to live, how to treat my wife, how to treat my husband, how, how to treat my kids, how to, how, to, how to treat my boss, how to treat those that I, 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 I commune with and those that I walk around with. I, I want to be in the law of the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm almost, yeah, I failed. I'm so proud of myself. I'm going to run into an hour again. I apologize. <laughs> Can I tell you here today in closing, I'm almost done. Liberalism nor legalism will not work. The only thing that will work is the love of Jesus Christ. Love Jesus and do what Jesus says. Amen. John 14 and 15, the Bible says this. Jesus said this, actually the Word of God says it, but Jesus said, He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. John 14 and 23, Jesus answered and said, if any man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He said, if, you, if any man love me, he will keep my words. 1 John 5 and 3, for this is the love of God, 
that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5 and 3, I love this first phrase. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous to me. This year, what's it going to be, baby? 12 years? 12 years, I got it right. November 15th. Get it right? Make sure. I'd be bad to mess up here in front of everybody. November 15th, this coming year, will be 12 years. It'll be, we share an anniversary with the Sterlings, but will be 12 years of, of holy matrimony. And, and, and I'm grateful for my lovely wife. She's a blessing to me, and I'm grateful for her. And a guy at work, when I first got hired in, he was, couldn't believe I was that young, been married that long. And he was asking, you know, what kind of wife you got? And I told him, I said, well, I've got the kind of wife that when I got a bright idea to go buy a 36-foot travel trailer, sell everything we have, and live in a travel trailer for three and a half years, she signed up for it. And he said, my goodness, dude, you have a keeper right there. He said, there ain't no way I could ever talk my wife into doing, or girlfriend into doing that. So I, I, I love my wife. But there's some, there's some things in the Word of God that says I, I, I shouldn't commit adultery on my wife. I, I shouldn't cheat on my wife. I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, run around and sleep around on my wife. And if the only reason that I'm doing those things is because the Word of God says don't do that, I have a love issue with my wife. If the whole time I'm with my wife I'm thinking, oh, man, why did I pick Marisa Coffee? I should have picked Sally May. Or got to pick some name that ain't picked the most random name. I'm good at open mouth, insert foot. That's one of my spiritual giftings. If I'm walking around the whole time thinking, man, I wish I was with so-and-so. We got a bigger issue than just the Word of God. We've got a heart issue. And can I tell you, hey, man, when you fall in love with somebody, when I fell in love with my wife, the commandments of God that says don't do that, that's not grievous to me because I love her. Because that's my bride, that's my, that's my wife. And we got to understand that we're the bride of Christ. And when we finally come back to a revel revelation that says, you know what? I love him. I love Jesus. That the commandments of God, they're not grievous. It's not hard when somebody preaches the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. It's not grievous. Why? Because I love God. It's not hard when somebody says, hey, hey, Brother Coffee, you don't need to do that. Why? Because I love God. Amen. Is it in the Word of God? Did Jesus say it? Did, did, my, did, the, did the bridegroom say it to his bride? Hey, it's not hard for me to do that because I want to please my Master. Amen. As we stand all over this house, I pray that as a church we understand that we've got to come back to an old-fashioned love with Jesus Christ. I want to be holy because He is holy. I want to live in accordance to the Word of God, but I don't want to just live in accordance to the Word of God just so I can say, I go to Power of God Pentecostal Church and I, I, I do what the Bible says. But I want to live, I want us to be a church that we live. It's in Him that we live and we breathe. And it's in Him we have our being. I want us to come back to a place where we say, God, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing that I ever done. Amen. Uh, it, I close. We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to go. We'll close out with prayer. But 
Hey, man, I, I, I think about people's testimonies that say, hey, I'm thankful from what God saved me from. God saved me out of a horrible pit. God saved me from drugs and alcohol and, and brokenness and abuse and all those things. And I'm thankful for that. And, and uh, I don't have that testimony, but I'm thankful. I can say God saved me from drugs and alcohol and abuse. And I, I'm thankful He saved me from that. There's some people He saved from that, and there's some people He saved from that. Does that make sense? Hey, man, I, I'm thankful. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, God's been so good to us. Amen. Whether, whether God picked us up, picked you up out of a Mary Clay, or whether you grew up on an apostolic church, God saved you from whatever He saved us from. He picked us up. He, he brought us in. He loved us. He said, Jeremiah, I love you with an everlasting love. And I want us to be a church that says, God, you've been so good to me that I love you with all my heart. And your word is not grievous. Your commandments are not grievous. Living this life, it's not grievous. I'm not weird. I'm living this life for eternity. Anybody feel that way tonight that says, God, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing that I ever done.